I, uh, I, I, you know, I, Jamie sent me a text this morning. I think that was just just to me, right? About uh, when you approach scripture, and and last week how we we. Um, you know, we talked about approaching Scripture and how you can do it and, and kind of analyze it in different ways, right? And so today we're actually going to bring even another uh, uh, style. I think the Lord's just doing that, um, you know, for, for to grow us and to teach us. But in Second, or I'm sorry, in First Timothy chapter six, verses seventeen and nine through nineteen, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for them themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may hold, lay hold on eternal life. And, and so today we're, we're going to do a little bit of a contrast, right? Um, and, and a few years ago, uh, you may have you may have bought one of these books. Uh, these eat this, not that. Did you, you remember that? That was a little bit of a. I guess I'll call it a fad. A few years ago, like eat spaghetti if, is not box mac and cheese. Right, right. <laughs> and this one's for kids, right? <laughs> so the premise, right? The premise of it is that you're, if you, you can shave off, like don't eat or eat this burger not that burger okay whatever uh but the point is it's the contrast right don't do this do this right and or eat this not this right so what we actually have is the same thing only this is much more spiritually nutritious than any of the stuff on the previous slide that don't do this don't be high-minded or trust in uncertain riches but do this, trust, the way this sentence is, trust in the living God, do good, be, be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. If you do this and not that, the result will be that you'll lay up for yourselves, your, lay up and store for the, yourselves a good foundation against the time to come, and you'll lay hold on eternal life. So it's the contrast and a result, all right? And, and I don't feel like this turned on at all. So can we no? Um, can we just keep pushing buttons until something good happens? Um, so you might hear some beeps. You might hear some whatever. Who knows? Uh, uh, we'll have Brian do it. Yeah, he just walked in. Have Brian do it. Um, so you've got a contrast and then a result. And so we're going to talk about each of these things today. We're going to talk about the things not to do. We're going to talk about the things to do. And we're going to talk about the result that is produced as a as as a result of doing that. So the first is this wrong thinking. Being oh, you know what? Do we have hand up? We do. Look at that. <laughs> so if you could. Uh, Sorry about that. And I did a horrible job of dividing them evenly, so this group has way more. Shane, not too good. Yeah, got a couple of there. So. There's wrong thinking that happens, wrong thinking that happens by the believer. So remember, Timothy is being charged here by Paul, right? So look at, look at the passage, charge them that are rich in this world. I think it's really interesting because it kind of makes me wonder if Timothy has reached some rich older dudes in his church, or maybe maybe even ladies, right? Um, that 
folks that are a little older because he had to deal with the age thing already, right? He also had to do uh, deal with the women thing. He had to uh, in other places. Paul's dealt with the 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 gender or the um, the Gentile versus Jew and the ethnicity uh, issues in play. But in this case, he's challenging the rich, the rich in this world. And I think it's kind of interesting because if there's one thing I've learned, and, and I think I shared this a few weeks ago, I spent some time uh, of an evening when I was in Boston with some people who are worth literally billions of dollars. Uh, it's the first time I'd ever been kind of in that scenario. Um, and <clears throat> I mean, I work with some folks that are worth you know, a lot of money, but not, not billions. And, um, and it was, it was kind of interesting because you know what, they were kind of high minded. I mean, it's, you know, at the end of the day, look, it's, it's, it's a reasonable conclusion to think if you've got that much money that you're doing it right. Right now, in some cases it's because you were born lucky, so to speak. I'll pull out, I'll do my Sam and pull out my air quotes. Lucky. I'm not sure that that's exactly what that is, but you were born into money or maybe you, your business venture did well. But what happens is you start reading your own press. You start playing like the chiefs. You start thinking, if I just show up, I'm going to win. Right. And that that's a concept of high mindedness and he says don't be high minded high minded look it'll impact being high minded impacts your heart hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him the benefit done unto him not what he quote earned right for his heart was lifted up therefore uh, therefore there was wrath upon him and upon judah and jerusalem so the problem here is the pride or that they are proud because it'll it'll cause your heart to be in a position where you start becoming not thankful, right? You start thinking you deserve it. You start when you're high-minded, you know, you you start thinking that, you know, well, your stuff doesn't stink, right? You start thinking, well, whatever I do, I touch and it turns to gold, right? as compared to putting the emphasis on the Lord, notice Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. He didn't even earn this. It was just the benefit, the, the, the grace that was bestowed on him. This, this concept of pride we see also in, in uh, Psalm 10, verses 3 and 4. For the wicked boasteth of his heart's desire and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. So again, it's under the context of don't do this, right? Don't, don't be high-minded. Don't let it impact your heart. Don't be prideful. Don't be haughty in Ezekiel 16. Uh, and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I, uh, as I saw good, right? So these concepts, and, and there's, it's pretty straightforward. Look, I think I've even joked in here, just once I'd like the opportunity to prove that money won't ruin me, right? I mean, I saw that on a sign one time, you know, I want to win the lottery because just once I want the opportunity to prove that money won't ruin me. Uh, but I've also watched, is it HGTV, my lottery mansion or something, where it's kind of, it's, I think it ruins people. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it just does. Because what they do is they, I mean, look, I mean, there's probably people all along the spectrum. I'm sure there's really good people, believers, 
who, who hit the lottery or whatever, got blessed by the Lord and did absolutely the right thing. But the, the point here is that we can't allow the external circumstances, the riches of this world in this example, right, to affect our mind. Don't be high-minded. Don't think, um, well, I'm going to jump, jump down to Romans 12. For I say through grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. At the end of the day, I, I love the way Sam says it, you're a meat robot, right? And that way just you're a meat robot. Like you didn't, oh, I feel it. Um, you, 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 are, you are blessed. Anything that you receive of uh, that is the slightest bit good is from the Lord, right? And if it's good and it creates bad, it might have been allowed by the Lord to, to test or prove you. But what it does is, is, and I'll jump back up one here, it produces the opposite of fear. It produces this self-confidence, right? Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, talking about the Jews in Romans 11. And thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. So the Jews lost out on the, some of the blessing, right? Because of the situation, they, they rejected. It's, 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 it's less about the fact that the Jews consented or asked for Christ's death, and it's more that they rejected him as Messiah, right? right? Sometimes people want to paint that Christians are mad at the Jews for killing their sin. No, 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 no. That isn't how it works. That isn't how it works. The Christian understands that God has done the work and we have a chance, even have a chance to have a relationship with the Lord because other people, in this case, failed in their, in their relationship with God. Now, we would have had a different chance if they would have accepted him. We don't have time for that doctrinal um, uh, you know, rabbit trail today. But they rejected Christ as Messiah, which opened a door for us. But you know what? That doesn't give us the opportunity to be high-minded. Right. I mean, well, I, I, I guess it gives us the opportunity. It doesn't give us a permission to be high-minded. I didn't do anything to get the opportunity to be saved. Like, that happened well before I was born. I didn't, I didn't earn this. And that's why, again, Sam was hitting it this morning. This is not about your... Uh, intellectual assimilation this is not about your ability this is not about you have attained salvation it that's not how it works right it's not it, it's not because you reach there are things you're supposed to reach for there are supposed there there are things you should press for there are things you have to work for but it's not your salvation right so the they have the 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 rich in this world well, generally, again, this is, I'm not trying to be stereotypical here, but generally can have high-mindedness. They can, but he's saying don't tell, or tell them not to be high-minded. Tell them to not trust in the, in the riches. Because, look, they, they shouldn't trust in uncertain riches. And I had a little debate with myself this week about what are certain and uncertain riches. And you know what you'll never find in Scripture? Certain riches doesn't exist like i don't know if i if i had i actually thought about doing this with monopoly money as an illustration today where i'd bring in a, a box like it was like one million dollars in monopoly money or something right 
but it kind of didn't prove the point because it's not real. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if I were to lay a, hun- a million dollars, a hundred million dollars, I don't know exactly sure how I get this money, but if I were to lay it on this chair in front of you today, would you say that's certain riches? Well, it's right there. It's right there. It's certain. Well, but there could be an economic collapse. I mean, I you know I don't know that that it might happen. I, you know that that dollar could be worth more or less tomorrow than it is today. I I don't know. I know that, and and I'm not being trite. I'm really not. You can go buy Confederate money, right? Money that was printed by the Confederacy in the late 1860s, and you know how much it's worth. I mean, it probably has some antiquity value, but it doesn't have dollar value but it did at some point it was a certain rich riches at that point um even the things that might have happened during the different wars and different changes of 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 regimes around the different worlds i mean even actual money well even gold if i okay let's take that and actually go buy gold and set it here well i i I don't watch gold regularly but i see the price of gold goes up and down, right? Certainly it can go down relative to the price of inflation. So I'm not sure that anything, no matter how tangible it is, is certain. It's really not. And so Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy, don't let them be high-minded, but also don't let them trust in uncertain riches. So what must be the certain riches? Well, I think we'll talk a little bit. We'll touch on that. But look at this. Look at this. They will leave. Will thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly, it's interesting, because it's certain riches. Riches will certainly make themselves wings. They will fly away as an eagle toward heaven. I mean, it's going it's to go away. You know what's kind of amazing to me? It is simple math. But if I have $10 and I put $1 in the bank and now I have $11, it doesn't feel as much as if I have $10 and I spend one and I've got $9 in a thing. Like I feel like the ten, the $11 still I, – I don't know if I'm, I'm not communicating this well. Like it doesn't matter how much I feel like I put in the bank. It doesn't grow seemingly as fast as it can go away. Like it, it's the way math is. It's why they. I was having this discussion with Manning. We were, we were at a restaurant. We, we we grabbed some barbecue last night, and his his meal was like eleven ninety nine. He goes, "Well, it was eleven dollars." I'm like, "No, son, it was it was twelve dollars." I mean, they're suckering you in for the, the penny, right? But but they do that because it creates a a concept in your brain. Well, it was only eleven dollars, right? Well, no, it was it was actually twelve dollars, right? So the, the concept is you can't trust in these riches. They, the, the math, even though it, it, it works out on a calculator and it just seems to come out of the bank account quicker than it goes in, it's temporary. Our, for riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation? I mean, there were, you know, it's like everybody. Well, you know, my ancestors, they were kings. Well, you know, okay, whatever, you know, or when they, you know, people that believe in um, reincarnation, there were always somebody. There were always somebody they can look up on the internet. They were never the guy that, you know, shoveled horse manure, you know, on the backside of some desert or something, you know. I mean, they were never that guy. They were never Joe Average, right? They were always somebody. Well, the, the crown doesn't endure to every generation. At some point, 
you know, at least in the old times, it would have been there would have been no boys, or or, or they would have there would have been a conquering country or kingdom. Like the the even if you were the king, like that's not a guarantee. You're, 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 if you were a prince and your dad was a king, it's not even a guarantee you're going to be king. You know, it can even lead to your hurt. Uh, this is interesting. There is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely, like this is a serious thing. Namely, riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. That can actually be a problem for you if you keep riches. Now, that, look, we've got to be careful because if you run too far logically, you would empty out your bank account every week or every day and say, I'm not going to save anything, whether it was for retirement or for a rainy day or whatever. I'm not suggesting that. Don't trust in it. Don't trust in it. But that can actually do you evil if you have too much money in the bank. I really do believe more money, more problems, right? So it's never, never enough. Look at Haggai 1.6. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Okay, so notice, notice you eat, but you will always get hungry again. Right? I mean, how many of us last Thanksgiving, we ate way too much. We had to unbutton our shop button, right? Isn't that the way they always joke about it, Thanksgiving? But yet, yesterday I was hungry. I was hungry before dinner. Well, why? I had plenty to eat back in Thanksgiving. Well, because, I mean, obviously you need that. You, you consume that. Well, look, you are not filled. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. Right? You clothe you, but there is none warm. Ultimately, you can put on enough clothes, but you can still be cold. But notice, and he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put in a bag with holes. Yeah. Now, that's a principle. I mean, I guess it's, it's possible that you actually have a bag with holes. I would suggest that if you're going to put money in a bag, you should check it to make sure it doesn't have holes. But principally... There are times when I think, man, I swore I had more money in my wallet than I do right now. <laughs> like, what happened to that, that $10 bill that was just there? Oh, yeah, I spent it, right? Wages, will they can go into a bag and, and with holes. Now, again, th these are not freedoms for you to be financially frivolous. That's not, please, please, please hear me. That is not the point. The point is you can't trust in uncertain riches. Notice, I would like you to turn over to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And in, in start in verse 16. Luke chapter 12 and start in verse So, uh, you know, back back using this Bible again from my other Bible. If you have an idea on what I should do to the gentleman, I got I got his name. Um, he did, he wouldn't stay for service, but uh, if you have an idea what I can do for the guy that, that brought me my Bible back, I'll I'll take the ideas. Um, I just think it's interesting that he thought enough of it to actually to bring it. So praise the Lord. Um, we don't want you to mess with his blessing. Well, Amen, Amen. I hope I hope I'm not sure that I picked up from him that. He was that insightful, but but maybe. Um, Luke chapter 12 and verse 16. And he spake a parable unto them. So Jesus is speaking a parable. The ground of a certain man, a certain rich man, excuse me, brought forth plentifully. Okay? So where is the where is the fruit come from? The ground. 
Now, granted, it has to have been planted, it has to be harvested, or to some degree processed, right? You know, chafe, wheat from the chafe, those kinds of things, right? But the ground produced the fruit. He didn't, all right? And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. First, my first world problems, right? He's got more stuff than he's got 15 pounds of potatoes and only a five pound sack. He has nowhere to put them. And he said, I, uh, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Now, it's interesting because there's a lot of eyes going on in verse 17 and 18. I do, I have, I do, I will, I bestow, verse 19, and I will say to my soul, right? So there's a lot of eye, there's a lot of inward focus there, right? But notice, he also claims the fruits and the goods as his own. Now you say, well, it's fair, it's his ground. It's his, it was the fruit of his, of his labor. That's true. But notice, soul, thou hast much goods, in verse 19, laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Like there's a little bit of a jab, I think, even at the end of that, right? You've put all this stuff in your barn, but if you die, you're never even going to get to consume that. And again, it's not an endorsement that he should consume it all right then. But he felt like he needed to tear down his barns and build bigger. It's a parable. Didn't actually happen. It's a parable. But he felt like he needed to do that to retain, to trust in uncertain riches, to be able to say, I can take it easy. I can eat, drink, and be merry. So what is, what's gone at that point? The trust, right? He's trusting in his, quote, certain riches that he sees from his perspective rather than trusting that maybe I should distribute, maybe I should replant it, maybe I should do other things with it. He was going to, quote, hoard it. Um, in verse 21, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God, right? So when someone gets blessing, through the work of their labor, through the, the, the ground they own, whatever, right? Through their business, whatever. That's fine. That's not the problem. Just don't trust in it. You can't trust in it. It has to be the Lord. So those are the things that we aren't supposed to do, right? We're not supposed to be high-minded or proud. We're not supposed to trust in uncertain or temporal riches. But what are we supposed to do? Well, in the remaining time, we're supposed to have the right confidence. We're, we're supposed to trust in the living God. Now, we won't look at all of these, but what's interesting is these all reference living God. Now, it's not comprehensive, but it's, I, I thought, representative. The Son is the living God. The Spirit is the living God. We're the temple of the living God. The church is the house of the living God. Our Savior is... Um, uh, because we trust the living God who is the Savior of all men. All those aspects are the living God. Now, we can't, I don't think we can take for granted the fact that it's, um, the, that the Lord is alive, right? I, I know that you say, well, uh, duh, I talked to him, you know, I mean, see him. How do I know he lives? Because he lives inside of me, right? But, okay, yeah, that's fine. But notice in the Old Testament, about 34 times, depending on how you count one or two of them, 
they, and Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth. So, so as the Lord liveth, at the testimony of his being alive is the thing that I'm going to trust in. Because I could trust in Dagon, the fish god, the half person, half fish, right, that the Philistines trusted in. Falls over and breaks his hand or his head, hands and head, maybe? His hands first and his head, right? right? Uh, thank you. And, like, I can trust in the, in the idol. I can trust in the small G God, but I'm going to trust in the living God. And that's a really interesting designation. To trust, it doesn't just say trust in God, trust in the living God. He's present, He's working in you. He's going to be here today. He's going to be here tomorrow. He was here yesterday. He is very much alive. Trust in that God. Now do good. So it's like, well, I mean, okay, do good. That sounds easy because that sounds like um, almost a, a social gospel concept. A lot of people believe in doing good. You know, when I have shared at work that I'm down, I'm working four days a week and I, I come down here on Wednesdays, almost all Wednesdays, and I participate in the staff meetings and help with some things around here. Uh, Shane won't let me do any electrical, but, but uh, you know, not since the incident. Um, but, but, but I help, uh, you know, down here on Wednesdays. And so when I tell people at work, well, I can't, you know, I can't take that call on Wednesday because I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing ministry day. Oh, that you're doing s- such good work. Well, you don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, they, I don't know if they think I'm, like, literally every week, like, handing out food. I don't, like, I literally don't know when they say that, right? I mean, as the opportunity avails itself, I communicate it. But even that, they don't necessarily see going to a staff meeting and helping with the logistics of a, of a church as necessarily, like, doing good. But, but those things have to be done. Like, you have to hide the video from the pastor. He can't know about the pastoral pitch. Oh, wow. Um, okay, so, but notice, doing good... There's some aspects of it. It's the opposite of evil. And it's like, wow, that's really insightful, Dobson. Good is opposite of evil. Uh, I don't know why Bill and Ted Bill just channeled. <laughs> I don't know. At least some of you were there with me. Um, depart from evil and do good. Depart from evil and do good. It's pretty easy. Amen. It, it's, well, sometimes it's hard, but it's only hard to make the decision. It's not actually hard to do. Depart from evil and do good. Evil, notice, evil is always going to be present, right? Which is, I, pro- I maybe should have flip-flopped those, right? Because evil is going to be present. I find then a law that when I would do, or that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Paul, in that really, in that interesting, you know, monologue that he has, it's like, I would do good, and the things that I would, I don't do, and the things that I don't do, I would do, and all, you know, it's like, wait a minute, my head's exploding. But he finds then a law. That when he would want to do good, evil is present. So what do you have to do? You have to depart from evil. It's a constant choice. Look, and we're all going to fail. We're all going to fail at certain points. That's why perfection is not sinlessness. Perfection is having the right tools. So when you have a chance, do good. You won't always have a chance to do good. Right? There won't... and, and. it, you won't necessarily at any moment have at that moment have a chance to do good for somebody, right? To to do good for like 
you can do good for the Lord, like you can worship him, you can sing to him, those types of things. But the outward action, you won't necessarily always have a chance. Like there's times when I'm down in that room that's down below the stairs. You know the what I'm talking about? The guys know where the room I'm talking about. Like, like I don't give hugs in that room. That's it's the bathroom. It's for those of you who aren't tracking me. Like I don't give hugs in that room. So the good I can do in that room is by definition limited, right? Like I'll hug you outside that door, but I'm not hugging you in that room. So I can be a blessing. I can engage people as the the level of comfort that they have in that moment. And I know that's, I'm not trying to be like crass or anything, but it's, but I don't always have the same, I can't show the same kind of love, affection, concern. Some people like that's off limits. We don't, I don't talk to people. I'm in the bathroom, right? So, and y'all are looking at me funny. You all know what I'm talking about though. You know that there are times that you can't, Oh, well, the women don't because you get couches and stuff in the bathroom. Like, oh, I'm going to go sit on the couch and stuff. I don't, it's like, a hard bench. I know, I know. In other places, it's a couch. But I feel like I got to... Yeah. Yeah. This is not at all going the direction I want to go. So have the chance, do it. Okay? Don't sin. To him, there, uh, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If you're supposed to do good to somebody and you don't, guess who just sinned? Wow. You did. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, right. And then you're supposed to be you're supposed to do it often. Be rich in good works. So he's literally challenging. Don't trust in don't be high minded. Don't trust in uncertain riches. Do trust in the living God. Do good and do it often. Right. Look at at First Timothy chapter five. Well, uh, this uh, well reported of for good works. For if she brought up children, if she had lodged strangers, if she had washed the saints' feet, if she had relieved the afflicted, if she had diligently followed every good work. Those are some examples of good works. Somebody that's doing it often. Even Tabitha or Dorcas, woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. She was full. In, in Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, purify unto himself a peculiar people, look, zealous or eager of good works. So when I have the chance, I should do it. If I see the guy at the bus stop that's in turmoil and need, like, do good works, do it. Consistent. This is a faithful saying. These things uh, I will that thou affirm constantly. That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So you should do it. You should be rich in it. Somebody should say, look, they may not have a lot of money, but boy, they're rich in good works. They're rich in good works. So we should also have the right preparation. We should be ready to do those good works. Again, time, time won't allow us to go into all the detail. I wanted you to have this. I even told Michelle on the way here. I feel like sometimes I back up the Bible reference truck on you, but... It's important because the Bible always defines itself. Amen. And those verses will point and will explain it. Ready? Well, you should have your hand wide open. Look in Deuteronomy 15. But but thou, in, in, in verse 8, but thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him. Don't be like, you need some money? Here's a, here's a penny. But I'm going to keep the, the $100 bill and like open your hand wide. It should be need-based. All that believed were together and all had all things common. Notice, and sold their possessions and good and parted to them, parted them to all men as every man had need. 
not as every man had want, as every man had need, somebody didn't have food, they were taken care of, right? Even in trial, we saw the, the churches of Macedonia, how in a great trial of affliction, in their abu- the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. Even though they themselves were going through their own trial and own stuff, they gave to the churches that were going through their through issues themselves. It's an investment, right? The law of sowing and reaping. He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. It's, it's, it really is a straightforward principle. It's a straightforward equation. You put just a little bit of seed down, how much grass is going to grow? A little bit of grass or corn or whatever, right? It's a very, very simple equation. But it's also the evidence of our love. Whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how will the love of God in him? Like, how is it that you can say that you have love? I mean, there's a lot of qualif- or there's a lot of evidences of our love in following Christ. If you're shutting up your bowels of compassion for people, I, I gotta. I got to at least ask, are you really saved? Are you really saved if you feel like you have to hoard to yourself? Because, well, I need to build bigger barns because I need to be able to take it easy and eat, drink, and be merry. We also need to be willing to communicate. Now, this is is really interesting. I put uh, right attitude because communicating is, is at least in part that process of actually giving it. Uh, notice in Hebrews um, 13, 6, but to do good and communicate, so to actually give it, forget not, with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. But there's a little more to it. You need to be prepared to give an answer, yeah. right? To every man that asketh the reason of the hope that is it within you, right? You need to be unashamed with your testimony. I will speak of thy testimony also before kings, and I will not be ashamed. So you need to be ready or willing to communicate. You're not full of care. I put, yeah, I know it's, yeah, I think of it not careful, but not full of care, right? I, I love this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. I mean, when, when they're getting pushed, they're like, look, God's going to take care of us. I'm not worried about how I answer you. Like, I'm just not worried about it. We can't be overly worried about how we're going to communicate. We just communicate. Just should be ready to communicate. And graceful. Let your speech be always with grace. Seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So you need to be prepared, but you also need to be seeking the Lord for the grace and the words to say. I, I fail at this so much, people. I'm really surprised anybody is here today because I am clunky sometimes when it comes to ministering to you all. I, I literally, I will approach you sometimes and I will ask the Lord, give me the words because I will mess it up. I will say things that are insensitive. I will forget the turmoil or trouble you're going through. I'll forget that, you know, the, 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 the issues maybe that are sensitive and I'll step in it. I've done that so many times with people where my flesh just in the moment just messes it up. I know Satan probably whispers, you know, it's like when you, you, you combine two words. Sam seems to be the king of this, right? Where he has two words and, it, you know, I saw this on a meme. It was like, um, how may I help? I was at a coffee. A, a barista said, I wanted to say, um, 
oh, it, was just, it jumped out of my head, but it was like, how may I help you? And good morning or something. And it came out, you know, I don't know. It was like, came out, hold me or something like, you know, it was like two, two sentences that both independently made sense. But when you mushed them together, it was like, it comes out wrong. I am like, even right now, I'm that guy. I mess up. Right. And I don't, I'm not always graceful with this. But I need to be. I need to be prepared. I need to try to speak with grace. I need to be willing to communicate. Some of you, this is a harder challenge than others because of the introvert tag. God didn't say if you're an introvert, you get a pass on the ability, on the willingness to communicate. I know that that's stepping out of comfort zone. I know that many of us have built up walls around ourselves to protect ourselves from people that might otherwise do us harm, but you don't get the out according to scripture. You have to be willing to communicate. You have to be willing to to look and trust that the Lord is doing work in that other person's life and that they're ministering to you. Does that mean you throw discernment out the window? Of course not. And there are times, danger, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna separate myself, but you can't apply that to everyone. There are times when people have proven themselves in ministry and you need to open up. So all of this points to this optimal result, right? Don't do this, but do this, right? Don't trust in, don't be high-minded and trust in uncertain riches, but trust in God, do good works, do them often, right? Have this right mind about you, and this is what will happen. You'll lay up, lay up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. That foundation will be incorruptible or uncorruptible, right? In Matthew chapter 6, a very common passage, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, right? That concept of uncertain riches or uncertain trust or treasure, right? Where thieves break through and steal. If I had the million dollars sitting here, who's to say somebody wouldn't come in with a gun and just take it? It would not be certain. It was certainly wouldn't, or it wouldn't be mine at that point. Thieves can break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth, neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You have the opportunity to invest in eternity. That's with each other. That's going to Bible study. That's signing up for discipleship. That's being in part, part of the ministries around here. I heard tell that Erica served at the counter today selling books and didn't sell a one. Did you sell one in the second, in the second? second service? Okay, she sold one book. Ruined the illustration. Right. Well, her goal was 10. Yeah. And so, no, but, but she's still doing it. Like... Patrice is all back there, like helping out with the the hospitality and stuff, and and people are. I think I saw Jamie down one one week preparing coffee, and uh, like you all can do these things. There there are shared experiences, signing up for discipleship or discipling someone, going through LFBI, getting D two under your like. There are steps that we all need to take to invest in the incorruptible or uncorruptible. You're laying up for yourself in eternity, right? It's a sure foundation. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. It's this good foundation against the time to come. If there's one thing 
that will withstand an economic downturn, a pandemic, uh, you know, the tribulation, you know, you know, hurricanes, tornadoes, like pile it on there, right? It's a foundation in Christ. Like that's going to get you through because even if you die, well, it's not so bad. That's right. <laughs> you get to go home. The foundation, we, we often think, well, I, I need to have a good 401k. I need to make sure I've got my money stashed away. I, well, what are you doing? You're, you're trusting in uncertain riches. Again, I, the, the market's up, but I've seen it go down. So lay hold on eternal life. You're called, right? Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called. It's reserved and to an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved for you in heaven. Wow. It's literally reserved for you. And it's a hope. It's a true, true hope that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So the contrast is very clear. Don't do this. Do this. Because what you will do, if you, do, if you let go of these things, you do these things, you will literally have a great foundation. You will literally lay hold on eternal life. That you're not gaining eternal life. You're holding it. You're holding it. There's a difference there. You're holding eternal life. So that brings us to our discipleship question of the day. Will you make the right decisions today that will impact your tomorrow? Right? Will you make the right decisions today? Are you going to invest in spiritual things today? Are you not going to trust certain riches of today to try to feed your tomorrow? Right? I loved, I love, I'm, well, it's super easy for me to say this, that I love that the, that God only gave the children of Israel manna for the day. I'm sure that bothered the heck out of some of them. I'm a planner. I like to plan ahead. I would think, well, I'll just, I'll just leave a little over and that way I'll have some tomorrow. Ah, it's, it's getting eaten by worms, right? I mean, I'm a planner. I get it. Some of you probably are, are more of a planner than I am. That's okay. Just don't trust in that. Invest in tomorrow, but don't trust in that. And there's a real difference. There's a real difference. And I'm, I apologize if I didn't communicate it uh, well today. I certainly tried to get out of the way. I'm, I'm super excited about how the Lord's wrapping up First Timothy, uh, how... how how he's bringing it in. Paul is concluding a letter to, to a very, very dear brother, son in the Lord. And he's talking about charging men that are people that are rich in this world and how they're supposed to act. I mean, it's almost as if he knows Timothy has a job. And that job, job is to shepherd people. And folks, this path, this, this, this book that we've been going through, it's a pathway to spiritual maturity for all of us. We need to start thinking of ourselves in light of spiritual ministers, not just spiritual receivers, right? We need to take that next step to where we're, we're inviting people to this class. And I know I've joked about it. I don't get a bonus if we crack 30. I don't get a bonus if we crack 50. I don't even, I don't even think we're going to get a bigger room if we get more people. But like, you've got to invite people to church. You've got to invite people to this class. You've got to invite people to the Lord. I can't do that. I can't do it all, right? So I'll do my job, you do your job, we'll do it all together, okay? And we'll bless the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the...